Welcome to the BreastCancer.org podcast, the podcast that brings you the latest information on breast cancer research, treatments, side effects, and survivorship issues through expert interviews, as well as personal stories from people affected by breast cancer. Here's your host, BreastCancer.org Senior Editor, Jamie DiPolo. Hello, and thanks for listening. Ashish Khanna, MD, is a physical medicine and rehabilitation specialist at the Kessler Institute for Rehabilitation and part of the Revital Cancer Rehabilitation Program. He completed his residency in physical medicine and rehabilitation at the Kingsbrook Jewish Rehabilitation Institute in Brooklyn, New York, where he became interested in cancer rehabilitation early on. He completed his fellowship subspecialization in cancer rehabilitation at MedStar Georgetown University and the National Rehabilitation Hospital in Washington, D.C. Dr. Khanna specializes in the treatment of people who have pain or functional issues as a result of cancer or cancer treatment, including people who have been diagnosed with breast cancer. This includes pain, shoulder issues, fatigue, joint pain from aromatase inhibitors, and other issues. He has lectured at numerous international conferences, has published peer-reviewed research on a variety of related topics, and is the co-author of an upcoming book on cancer rehabilitation. Today, he joins us on the podcast to talk about a topic that is extremely important to him and I know is important to many of our visitors, which is pain caused by aromatase inhibitors and how that pain can be managed. Dr. Khanna, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. I'm happy to be back. So just in case anybody listening isn't familiar with aromatase inhibitors, can you explain what those medicines are and how they're used to treat breast cancer? Yeah, sure. So aromatase inhibitors are used in hormone receptor positive breast cancers. Those are basically the ones that are estrogen or progesterone positive, And uh, you'll usually hear this as ERPR positive. And basically what that means is that if you imagine like a breast cancer cell, on its surface, it has a lot of different receptors for a lot of different things. But one of the receptors it has is for estrogen and or progesterone. So basically, anytime some estrogen binds to that cell, it causes that uh, tumor to grow. So basically, the tumors are essentially fed by estrogen or progesterone. What we're essentially doing here is that in order to treat that breast cancer, then we need to lower the level of estrogen in the body, right? So how do we do that? Well, as it turns out, estrogen is being made in the peripheral tissues, like uh, all the different fat cells, a little bit in the liver, things like that. And they're taking some different hormones and uh, an enzyme called aromatase that lives in that area. It converts estrogen precursors into estrogen. So essentially what this medication is going to do is it's going to turn off that enzyme and stop that conversion. So in the end, that cuts down the level of estrogen that's circulating in your body. And this causes a lot of different problems. One of them is the joint pain that we're going to talk about today, which, you know, as you mentioned, is definitely an important topic and one I think, you know, a lot of people aren't uh, really aware of. But basically what that does is it causes kind of like a chemically induced menopause in a way, right? When we go through menopause, our estrogen levels drop. And this is a chemically, and this is a medicine, uh, like, uh, I guess, menopause in a pill, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, So you do get a lot of the menopause symptoms that you get for the same reason. But particularly, you get joint pains with these. There are three inhibitors, the three most common ones that you'll see are anastrozole, which is also called arimidex. There's exemestane, which is aromacin, and then there's letrozole, which is also called uh, also called a femora. And the idea is that 
after you have breast cancer, if you take these you take these medications, it's chemo preventative. So it's basically going to prevent your breast cancer from coming back. So when we treat breast cancer, we want to make sure that all of the cancer is gone. We don't want to leave any cells or a minimum amount of cells if possible. So after your breast cancer is treated, then afterwards, you usually take these medicines to prevent your breast cancer from coming back. And the, the thinking was to do it for five years. Now people are thinking 10 years for some people might be better. So you take it for 10 years after being treated for breast cancer for those people who have ERPR positive breast cancers. Okay. And I'm glad you mentioned the, uh, the length of time that someone might take it because I've seen studies suggesting that about 50% of women, I believe all the studies were in women, um, not men, prescribed aromatase inhibitors after breast cancer surgery either don't take them or don't take them regularly because of these side effects you're talking about. And as far as I know, joint pain and joint stiffness is the most common with an aromatase inhibitor. So why is it that this that the aromatase inhibitors cause this joint pain? Because I know there's, there's another medicine, uh, tamoxifen, which yeah. is given to premenopausal women. Right. Um, and it doesn't seem to cause the same joint stiffness. So what is it about an aromatase inhibitor that works in the joints this way? So tamoxifen is similar to aromatase inhibitor, I guess you could say in, in broad strokes. Um, one of the big differences is that we usually give aromatase inhibitor to postmenopausal females. And premenopausal females are the ones who get tamoxifen. So if you haven't gone through menopause, you're more likely to get tamoxifen. Tamoxifen works a little bit differently. So if you think about it, when before menopause, the main source of your estrogen is going to be your ovaries, right? When you're premenopausal, your estrogen is coming mostly from your ovaries. When you're postmenopausal, most of your estrogen is coming from the tissues outside, uh, you know, in your fat cells and things like that. That's where the aromatase inhibitor itself works. So if you're premenopausal, we need to address the source of estrogen differently. And that's what tamoxifen does because premenopausally, you know, the source of estrogen is from a different place. So that's one difference. Now, you, if you're postmenopausal, that doesn't mean you can't be treated with tamoxifen. You can still use tamoxifen in postmenopausal breast cancer, but you don't see that as often. But both of them do cause joint pains, like you said. Tamoxifen, less so to some degree. But the aromatase inhibitors as a class also do that. You, it, they show that, uh, studies show, like you said, that 50% of uh, women roughly were, are going to report new or worsening joint symptoms. That can go as high as 75% of people. And, um, and about 37% of people in who take tamoxifen report it. So you, you see it in both, but definitely more so in the aromatase inhibitors. And then, you know, the, the reason why we think that happens is essentially estrogen deprivation. So you have, as it turns out, women have estrogen receptors in the cartilage and in the synovial lining of their joints. So you have estrogen receptors in your joints. And, and if you turn off the estrogen, if you turn off the faucet of the estrogen, then you do get more like arthritis type of symptoms. It's not exactly the same as osteoarthritis because the cause is different, right? Osteoarthritis is, happens in a lot of the weight-bearing bones and things like that, where you get kind of a bone-on-bone -bone is how people most think, usually think about it. This is different. It causes, it feels like arthritis, but it's anatomically a little bit different than that. And it just causes some swelling there. And just like arthritis, it can cause some fluid in the joints. The difference between osteoarthritis and the arthritis caused by aromatase inhibitors, the aromatase inhibitors can happen in small joints. You get them in the wrist, you get them in the hands. The wrist and hand is actually the most common 
place where people get it. About 60% of people who get who have these issues will report it in their wrist and hand, and then about the same amount to the knee. Some people will feel it in their spine. Next, com- next most common is the ankle or the foot, and then last is actually the hip. So in arthritis, mm-hmm. the hip is very common, right? Your hip bone holds a lot of uh, your body's weight, but the wrist and hand in this case is probably the most implicated in addition to the knee. Interesting. And I see that. I, yeah, right, and I see that in the clinic for sure. This, these, uh, you know, these kind of statistics and epidemiological uh, stuff definitely jives with what I see in the clinic. And the other thing I wanted to mention really quick too is, you know, if you, if you already have arthritis, you know, the, the aromatase inhibitor is most likely going to make that worse, unfortunately. So if you already have, or anything, if you have, like, you know, if you have hip arthritis or you already have some arthritis in your spine that's causing you problems or in the knee or anywhere, that probably is going to make it worse. It's not only arthritis. If you have something like carpal tunnel, even something like that, you know, you can see where it makes the carpal tunnel syndrome worse and things like that too. So that's the unfortunate part of it. I guess I'm just curious, and and the research may not have been done, but is it, do we have any idea why like the hands and the wrists seem to be the most common place for this type of pain? You know, I don't know the answer to that. That's a good okay. question. I'm not aware of that. Yeah. That's, okay. That's yeah. Well, and I'm you not sure exactly why. Yeah. That oh, that's fine. And you mentioned that um, uh, if you have arthritis already. Uh, an aromatase inhibitor can make it worse. So it would seem that those particular women would likely be at higher risk for joint pain from an aromatase inhibitor. But are, are there any other factors that might put someone at higher risk? Because and, and I'm just going by the comments we get on our discussions boards where some women, it's, it's excruciating and they do have to stop taking the medicine or switch to a different one. Right. Um, and other women say, no, you know, it really wasn't that bad. So I'm just, you know, I'm wondering if there are any other risk factors besides like a pre-existing arthritis. Um, I mean, it may have a genetic component. Uh, some women have more uh, more estrogen receptors in the joints than uh, other women do. Um, there's certainly that, you know, not everybody's built the same and not everybody's going to respond uh, to the medications differently. It's the same like menopause, you know, no two women are going to go through menopause the same. Um, and this is kind of like a chemically induced menopause, like I said. So the the effects are going to vary and having, you know, a wide variety of symptoms, especially anything that involves the endocrine system, you know, everybody responds to their hormones differently and different levels of this cause different things. So um, I think that's that's probably the primary reason um, because, you know, we're, we're just talking similar to, to menopause. Um, it, like, you know, like I said, yeah, if you have if you have arthritis going in, you, that's likely to get worse. Um, sometimes people uh, are, you know, they have chemo. They still have the arthralgias or they still have the joint pain from chemotherapy. So if you still have the joint pain from the chemotherapy that you went through, that's going to make that worse. If you have any other underlying kind of uh, pain syndromes like fibromyalgia. Uh, fibromyalgia is like a sort of a centralized kind of pain disorder that that can make your fibromyalgia worse. Um, and then the last thing would be if you had a rheumatological, uh, like uh, rheumatoid arthritis, uh, or any of the other kind of uh, rheumat, if you have any other uh, rheumatological problem, that can make that worse as, as well. So if you have any of those underlying things, and, and you know a number of others, that's just sort of off the top of my head. But if you have, you know, those kinds of pre-existing issues, then the aromatase inhibitor will most likely make that worse. And I'll, you know, and we're, while we're talking about things that vary. Um, the different aromatase inhibitors uh, may may affect you differently too. Um, so it's a great conversation to have between you and uh, your oncologist about perhaps switching to a different one 
Um, and most oncologists are going to, you know, if your symptoms are that bad, they're going to already consider switching you to something else. Um, but, you know, there's uh, there are indications. So you can't always be switched to something else, of course. That's why I have to discuss it with the oncologist. It's up to the oncologist, obviously. They're the ones who know all the information about your particular type of cancer and the studies that show, uh, you know, the, which one is best for you to prevent your cancer from coming back. Um, but there's some evidence, particularly uh, with exemestane, one of the ones I mentioned. With exemestane, some studies are showing that that has less joint pain symptoms. Like I said, not everybody can take that one, but um, it's you know something to, something to mention or bring up with the oncologist. Certainly, certainly. And now uh, this is sort of the, the key question for this whole podcast is how is this pain treated? Um, I know there are medicines that people can take, but I've also seen some studies showing that exercise can help, acupuncture can help. Um, what, what do you recommend? The best evidence that we have for the aromatase inhibitors is going to be exercise, like you said. Now, asking somebody who has joint pain to exercise is going to be very difficult, um, of course. Um, and that's why there are professionals to help you through those kinds of things, particularly uh, would be if you can find a, a cancer rehabilitation medicine uh, physician like myself, like a, a physiatrist. We can certainly help you with that. That's our area of expertise. Uh, unfortunately, there are not that many of us in the country, uh, but there are a lot of wonderful uh, occupational and physical therapy. Um, who can help you with uh, this type of thing. And they can make a personalized exercise program for you, you know. They have these um, strategies called joint protection strategies. You know, if you have a painful joint, they can basically work around that. So they can help you do, uh, you know, do some therapy for it. But uh, otherwise, there are some studies showing that just plain old aerobic exercise, just getting moving can make a difference. So if you can do 150 minutes a week of aerobic exercise, like moderate intensity exercise, and I usually say moderate intensity exercise would be if you're exercising to the level that you can still hold a conversation, right? You're not completely out of breath. But if you can maintain that uh, you know, for 30 minutes a day, ideally five days a week or even three days a week, then that would that would be great. And then so you know, something uh, like brisk walking, like if you were yeah. walking pretty fast with a friend and you could talk. Exactly. OK. Yeah. Yeah. Especially doing it with a friend and things like that is great. Those have been shown in uh, multiple studies, uh, even large randomized studies um, can decrease the reported pain that people have even 12 months later. So even one year later, I think what I forgot to mention, I guess, would be that uh, the time frame of when you start. So usually uh, you start to feel these joint symptoms about six weeks after you start uh, the aromatase inhibitor and they can worsen over the course of the first year. Uh, but generally after the first year, or, you know, these are kind of vague numbers, but over the course of the first year, uh, typically the symptoms uh, start to stabilize and may improve a little bit. So what they say is it's going to get worse at about six weeks. And then, you know, the, the worst period of it will probably be in the first year. But for them, if you can stick through it, I guess, is what I'm trying to say, uh, it may get better uh, after the one year mark. So the exercise um, is uh, what we have is the best evidence. Um, the other things that you can do are kind of like the standard sort of, I guess, arthritis treatments. Um, if you can take uh, an NSAID, you know, ibuprofen, um, non-NSAID would be Tylenol, which works well. And then there is some evidence of acupuncture working well, too. Um, I do have a couple patients who, who do acupuncture and say it works well. I have some that do it and say it didn't really make a difference. So, um, you know, it just kind of depends. That one's, uh, for, you know, that, that's like a complementary and alternative medicine, you know. So the science isn't as robust for those kinds of treatments. But if it works, you know, it's worth a shot, definitely. 
Mm-hmm. For, some, for some people, it does work. There, there are some medications um, that you can discuss with your doctor too. One, the, probably the strongest uh, evidence we have medication-wise would be for something called duloxetine or Cymbalta. That's been shown um, in, a, in a really high-level study in the Journal of Clinical Oncology um, to uh, improve uh, the worst joint pain. So the joint that bothers you the most, it can decrease that. It can decrease joint stiffness. Um, and then it also can decrease the pain that interferes with your life and keeps you from functioning. So that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. And Cymbalta, I want to ask, uh, that's an antidepressant, is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. that's right. Yeah, a lot of the medications we use for pain were originally designed for something else. And actually, Cymbalta is still used to treat depression also as well. So, you know, maybe one of the side effects for you might be an, a, a mood elevation, right? Mm-hmm. In fact, I do tell patients that, that, you know, you may have a, your mood may improve as a side effect. You know, for nerve pain, a lot of people take gabapentin. That was originally a medication for seizures, mm-hmm. uh, but it actually works for nerve pain much better. We have much better medications for seizures now. But um, so a lot of these kinds of things were designed for one thing, but work really well for something else. Are there any other sort of complementary techniques or other medicines that might be helpful for someone having this joint pain? Yeah, if you, especially if you have pre-existing joint pain, whatever kind of worked for you, I would say would probably work for this as well. Using heat, um, bracing, like I said, if you see a physical or occupational therapist, it's, it's a great idea for this for this issue. I send you know a lot of patients to physical or occupational therapy, and um, you know, and I, I get the cases of the people just say, you know, like you said, like on the forums, and a lot of people listening, where they just, you know they've had enough. It's you can't function, you can't do anything. It's really you know you're so stiff in the morning. And, you know, people have busy lives and busy and, you know, a lot of things to do. So it does interfere with their life quite a bit, which is too bad. If you're taking tamoxifen, you can't take uh, Cymbalta. Your, your doctor probably knows that, but you sh- you definitely should advocate for yourself. So those of you who are on tamoxifen, you cannot take duloxetine uh, unless you get your doctor's permission. And uh, there's a reason for that. The tamoxifen, if you're taking Cymbalta, the tamoxifen doesn't work as well. Okay. Yeah. Definitely good to know. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm glad I remembered to throw that in there. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious about the exercise, too. Is it possible, say, if someone is um, a regular exerciser and has been, and then she is diagnosed with breast cancer, goes through treatment, uh, it's hormone receptor positive disease, is, is being a regular exerciser, is there any protection in that? Like, could that make somebody less likely to have joint pain from an aromatase inhibitor? Or is that research not been done? Um, I, yeah, it has been done. And that's, that has been shown to be the case. It's been, it's actually the case in uh, all the different forms of arthritis, osteoarthritis, rheumatoid arthritis, and then, um, you know, this uh, sort of arthritis that's caused by the aromatase inhibitors. Um, using the joints keeps them moving. It keeps them, you know, well lubricated and, you know, just kind of keeps the joints happy in that way. So you, people who are able to move and able to do more and exercise more, which I understand is not always the easiest thing to do, um, but w- whatever you're able to do is beneficial. There's, they show, you know, there's a, there's a response to even a little bit of exercise. Um, and, you know, if, if you have arthritis and uh, you have it in the weight-bearing joints and the aromatase inhibitors made your back pain worse or your hip pain worse or your knee pain worse or ankles, then, uh, the you know, the pool is a great way to do some exercise for those of people who have access to a pool. Um, that's a great way because, you know, you're, you're much lighter on your feet in the, in the swimming pool and you're able to do a lot more of the exercise that way and have less pain. 
Um, and, and there are some, you know, physical therapy and occupational therapy places that have a pool. So that's one option. I was just going to say, is the best yeah. place to find, you talked about um, finding an occupational therapist or a physical therapist that's familiar with uh, joint pain caused by aromatase inhibitors and kind of developing a plan. Is like going to your cancer care facility and asking either the oncologist or the oncology nurse navigator or someone like that, the, the social worker, is that the best place to start to find somebody like that? Yeah. So if, yeah, definitely you, if you, you know, the, the therapists who are tied to a cancer center or tied to a hospital may be more familiar with this condition than, uh, than other people would be for sure. Um, and then for those of you, the, uh, the, um, place where I work, the hospital I work with, uh, which is Kessler is involved with select medical. Um, and they have a service called a uh, revital cancer rehabilitation, uh, which is revital, R-E-V-I-T-A-L, cancerrehab.com. And you can see if maybe there's, uh, and those those therapists are certainly trained in this and a number of different issues involving breast cancer, head and neck cancer, all sorts of different things. So if you live near one of those therapists, you could reach out to them. Uh, but any, any sort of uh, cancer center, uh, the therapist would be probably most likely be seeing uh, other patients with the same issue. Okay, good to know. Now, uh, finally, I guess I'm wondering if there's kind of like a step-by-step process. So if uh, a woman came to you on an aromatase inhibitor was having joint pain, like what, what do you do first, second, and third? Like how do you approach this? What we want to do is make sure that your um, joint pain can't be treated in some other way. So if you have hip pain or you have knee pain or wrist pain or something like that, then those can be treated with those different types of medications and also injections too. So you can do steroid injections. You know, they have the gel shots for the knee if the knee is bothering you and things like that. So that's one of the major things. The other things that um, I try to do is to make sure that you don't have um, an un- another underlying problem, like uh, you don't have rheumatoid arthritis and things like that. So sometimes I'll send people for a blood test and, uh, you know, just to make sure that you don't have rheumatoid arthritis. There are studies showing that uh, people who have an aromatase inhibitor, um, you know, that uh, sometimes people had an underlying rheumatological problem the whole time. And then, like I said, you know, a lot of these things develop over time on or, you know, 10 years is a long time and everybody gets older over 10 years. So you can develop other problems, too. So it's good to have kind of close follow up with your doctor for those types of things. Dr. Khanna, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time and your insights. Sure, my pleasure. Thanks for uh, bringing some attention to this important topic. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the breastcancer.org podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. To share your thoughts about this or any episode, email us at podcast at breastcancer.org or leave feedback on the podcast episode landing page on our website. And remember, You can find a lot more information about breast cancer at breastcancer.org. And you can connect with thousands of people affected by breast cancer by joining our online community.